Grace and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Have you ever wanted to trade places with someone? I think we've all experienced that at one point or another, right? You see what somebody else has, what they get to do, and it's tempting to covet what they have and to be discontent with the lot in life that God has given you. Maybe you covet what somebody has financially and you think, if only. Or maybe you covet another person's family life or job or the honor that they receive and you think, if only. Well, in today's gospel reading, Jesus tells of two men, a rich man and Lazarus. And if you were to read only the first part of the account, you would, without a doubt, think, if I want to trade places with somebody, it's going to be with the rich man. The rich man was, of course, rich. He wore the finest, most expensive clothing. He feasted on fine foods daily. He, he probably shopped at Saks Fifth Avenue and went to the fancy restaurants, and he had everything he wanted, and he, he didn't deny anything he wanted to himself. In the eyes of the world, the rich man was the one that had it all. He was wealthy. He could enjoy the finest things, everything he wanted he could have. And then there was poor Lazarus. Lazarus was covered with sores. He longed for even the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. Lazarus didn't shop at Saks Fifth Avenue. Lazarus probably didn't shop anywhere. All he could do was to rely on the charity of others to keep him alive. Lazarus was fiscally poor and physically in poor health. But Lazarus was also poor in spirit. He was the very kind of person that Jesus was speaking of in Luke chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Plain, when Jesus said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. Lazarus, in his poverty, was blessed because he continuously looked to God in faith. Even with his sores, his hunger, his meager condition, Lazarus was relying on the Lord. He patiently waited on the Lord. And in the end, Lazarus receives from the Lord blessings beyond measure. Lazarus died and he's brought by the angels to Abraham's side, that is, to heaven. And he receives great blessings. However, the rich man also dies. The rich man dies, he's buried, and he's in Hades. He is in torment. And now we go back to Luke chapter 6 and the Sermon on the Plain. And and Jesus, after he speaks those words of of blessing, those beatitudes, he goes on with words of woe. And he says, but woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. 
Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. And suddenly the rich man longs to trade places with Lazarus. The situation's flipped. Now, you have to stop at this point and just ask, well, what's the difference? Why does the rich man end up where he ends up, and why does Lazarus end up where he ends up? Was it the amount of money that they had? Is it that if you're poor, you always get to go to heaven and have everlasting life, and if you're rich, well, there's no hope for you? Well, that's, that's clearly not the case because it's described here as going to Abraham's side. Well, what do we know about Abraham? Abraham was very wealthy. Abraham had all kinds of wealth, but Abraham didn't cling to his wealth. We see Abraham show great hospitality to visitors. And when his nephew Lot and, and Abraham decide to divide up the land, he says, Lot, you take the first pick. You get the best land. I'll take whatever's left over. And when Lot gets, uh, gets raided and gets kidnapped and gets taken uh, into captivity, he, Abraham goes and he rescues him and he brings him back along with others. And Abraham, in exchange, says, I want nothing. I don't need any of your money. I just did it because it was the right thing to do. The difference between the rich man and Lazarus was not just about wealth. The difference between the rich man and Lazarus was that Lazarus had faith in the Lord, while the rich man did not. And because of his lack of faith, the rich man doesn't see his wealth rightly. He doesn't use his money as a blessing from God by which he can bless others. He just clings to it and lavishly uses it for himself. And all the while, he ignores anybody who's in need. While Lazarus, on the other hand, though poor, continue to trust in the Lord. Those who trust in the Lord have salvation. And by faith, we can see our possessions, our money, our status, everything that God's given to us, and we can see it rightly, and we can use it rightly to honor God and to serve our neighbor, to serve those God has placed around us. You might think, well, well, what about Lazarus? I mean, he was, he was in such poor health, he, he didn't even get a chance to serve anybody. He's just laying there. How could he serve his neighbor? And I actually really love how Luther addresses this in, in one of his sermons. He said, now after his death, Lazarus serves the whole world with his sores, hunger, and misery. His bodily hunger feeds our spiritual hunger. His bodily nakedness clothes our spiritual nakedness. His bodily sores heal our spiritual sores. In this way, he teaches and comforts us with his example that God is pleased with us even when things go wrong on earth as long as we believe. So what, what does Lazarus do? He, he serves us even now. Think about all of the people this Lazarus has served throughout the many, many years. Now, the rich man being in agony He's pleading with Abraham. He's, he wants Lazarus to come dip his finger in water and bring it down and, and soothe him just a little bit. And when he finds out that's not a possibility, he then continues to, to plead for 
his brothers. He says, then I beg you, father, send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may warn them, lest they also come down to this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if, if someone goes to them from the dead, then they will repent. He said to him, if they, have, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. We have the word of God. And in God's word, it tells us what we need to know about heaven and hell, about the way of salvation. It tells us to repent and to believe in Jesus Christ for salvation. But you're going to have still some that will say, but, but just, that's just an old book. Now, if a miracle were to take place, if somebody were to rise from the dead, then I could believe this. Well, even as the rich man's request for someone to come back from the dead is denied in this account, God in his mercy actually does this. In John chapter 11, Jesus raises from the dead a man who had been dead for four days. Jesus has spoken God's word to those who believed and those who didn't believe. And then he does exactly what the rich man asks. <laughs> he raises a man named Lazarus from the dead as a testimony of the truth of his teaching. Now, this is undeniable evidence, right? Here is this guy. Everybody knows he's been dead. He's been in the tomb for four days. Jesus comes along. Lazarus, come out. And what happens? Lazarus does indeed come out very much physically alive. Now, how could anybody at this point deny that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? How could they reject that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? How could they reject that salvation is by faith in this Jesus? And yet, later in chapter 11, the enemies of Jesus are plotting and scheming how to kill Jesus. They don't believe in him even after that miracle. And in chapter 12, not only do they want to kill Jesus, we want to kill Lazarus because we can't have this guy walking around as a living testimony to the reality of the power of Jesus. And of course, not only did Jesus give Lazarus as a testimony to prove his teaching, Jesus gives himself as the authentication of his teaching. Multiple times he tells his disciples, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to die, and I will rise on the third day. And then he does it. On the cross, he dies, suffering the just punishment for sin in our place. His body is placed in the tomb, and on the third day, he rises again. He appears to many. He gives evidence of his resurrection, and he continues to tell the world of his resurrection through his word and through Christians sharing that good news with others. And God has spoken in his word. He's, he's used a resurrection of Lazarus to testify, and the, the resurrection of Jesus himself as authentication of his word. And he's done all of this, why? So that you may believe. So that you may believe and have everlasting life. 
but also that by believing, you'll start to use the things God's entrusted to you in the right way. You won't see the material things as the things that you need to grasp for and and cling to and as of most importance, but you'll see them as blessings from God that you can use to bless others as well. Now, we started the sermon by asking if you've ever wanted to swap places with somebody. Well, if you have, it's probably because they had something you wanted. But here's the cool thing. God, in his love, saw you in your desperate need, and he chose to swap places with you. (laughs) What do we deserve for our sin? We already confessed that, right? God's eternal punishment. But Jesus says, okay, that's what you deserve, but I'm going to swap places with you so that that's not what you get. You get the riches of heaven. I will suffer that in your place so that you instead can be children of God. (laughs) That's the trade that he makes with us. And Jesus tells the story of the rich man and Lazarus so that the Pharisees who are listening might repent and believe. He tells that story so that you might repent and believe and be received as a child of God in the eternal banquet. He tells that story so that we might, in the here and now, as we believe, tell our friends and our relatives the good news of this great exchange so that they too can believe and receive from him the blessings of everlasting life. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you loved us so much that you were willing to come into this world to take our place as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, to give your life on the cross as the perfect once for all payment for sin so that our sins can be forgiven and we can be made your children. We thank you that that we can be rightly called children of God by faith in you and that Because of you, heaven is open to us. Help us to be like Lazarus and look to you in faith, in good times and in bad, living always for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace that passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.